the Pharisee trusted tradition, institution, system, heritage, and rules and himself so thoroughly that he didn't have any real need for grace and mercy from God. Uh, the Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves and rogues and adulterers or even like this tax collector. The tax collector, on the other hand, could not even bring himself to look up to heaven. But he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So finally, we get a, a parable from Luke's Gospel that is short and to the point. We've had a bunch of really difficult ones that we've, that we've worked our way through in, in the past couple of months. The, dishonor, uh, dis, the, the dishonest manager who is commended in the story for wheeling and dealing to save his own hide. We had to kind of work our way through that. And then there was the one about the unjust judge who didn't fear God nor respect any person. And then there were the ten lepers who were all healed, but the one who was commended was the only one who did not do what Jesus told them all to do. And then there was the comparison with those who would follow Jesus, the uncomfortable comparison, with those who follow Jesus and slaves who don't stand around waiting to be thanked for just doing their jobs. Uh, we found the meaning and the hope and the promise in all of these parables. But this parable this morning is a welcome relief, I think. It's straightforward, and at first read, we couldn't agree more. The puffed-up, overly religious, holier-than-thou Pharisee is easy to dislike. And of course, no one likes paying taxes, but this humble defeated tax collector is easy to at least feel sorry for, if not to like, right? So this is one of those Jesus parables that seems to go down easily, maybe too easily. Most of us probably see ourselves standing somewhere in the middle of these two caricatures. I mean, okay, I'm religious, I go to church, but... I'm not going to beat you over the head with it at you know, the grocery store or at the gym. On the other hand, I'm sure I'm a sinner. I fall short. But I'm not a murderer or in the country illegally or some kind of thief. I'm somewhere in the middle. So I like this little story. Of course, what we tend to miss, though, is what the crowd that Jesus is speaking to would have gotten with a vengeance. It would have been crystal clear to them. And it has to do with who Pharisees were and who tax collectors were. And we've covered this ground, but it's important to kind of revisit. These Pharisees were not just the arrogant, legalistic, prudish cartoons of self-righteousness that I think we are often led to make them out to be. Pharisees were 
trying to take their religion seriously. Pharisees were upstanding members of the community. Uh, They were responsible and accountable. They served on the committees. They went to council meetings. They taught Sunday school. They kept their lawns looking nice. They drove the speed limit. They, They picked up after their dogs. You know, they ran the PTA. I fast twice a week, the Pharisees said. I give a tenth of all my income. If that were true of all of our members, if we could say that, we keep 90% of all that we have in terms of our resources. We keep 90%, but we give 10% on to support the ministry. If that were true of everyone at Prince of Peace, then we'd have never another budget-related concern going forward. We would be able to pay off our mortgage early, and all our ministries would be fully funded. But unlike the Pharisee, not too many of us can say this and mean it. So this story would have troubled a lot of people that were listening to Jesus that day, and it probably bugs some of us a bit when we're honest today. And then there were tax collectors. Jesus carefully chose a figure that would have given the maximum level of offense to the maximum number of people listening to him. You know, Roman tax collecting was kind of a franchise operation. If you were allowed, you would buy a license, and that basically gave you a license to extort as much money as you could from your own neighbor on behalf of the occupying enemy. First century tax collection was state-sponsored extortion. A, A Jewish tax collector was judged a traitor to his own faith tradition and his nation as well. So what we have to accept is the fact that this Pharisee's spiritual problem in the the story that Jesus tells this crowd in front of them, trying to justify themselves, uh, it's not that this Pharisee is a bad person. That's not what they would have heard, nor what Jesus intended. He was considered one of the good guys. I mean, the best of the best of you are going to be clear about it. His problem is that he, he was a decent man who was completely dependent on the system for being good, for being righteous. He trusted his tradition. He trusted in the institution. He trusted his heritage. He trusted his rules. 613 rules, in fact, is what the Pharisees identified when they looked through the Hebrew Scriptures. We see 613 rules to live by in our Holy Scriptures. And he trusted all of them. In fact, the Pharisee trusted tradition, institution, system, heritage, and rules and himself so thoroughly that he didn't have any real need for grace and mercy from God. Now the tax collector, on the other hand, He had bent or broken any of the rules that he was brought up with. He honored no heritage, no religious faith tradition, no system, no institution. He would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
in his spiritual brokenness. The tax collector had to trust in the only thing that he could reach for. The only hope he had was in a merciful and gracious God. So we are reminded in this short and seemingly simple little story that our own best theology does not earn us divine favor. Our finely tuned ethical systems do not get us any status with God. Our beloved institutions, even the church, cannot contain God. Our heritage, national, religious, or otherwise, are not able to get us into heaven. It's not a get-into-heaven-free car. Ethics matter. Institutions matter. Heritage matters. The choices we make matter. How we believe matters. All these things are important. They're all good until we start to use them to judge others by comparison to ourselves on the one hand, or delude ourselves into thinking that our own behavior will be enough on the other. God, I thank you I'm not like other people. Paul and Jenny gave us a little snippet of a U2 song there leading into this message. Uh, the band has always been uh, capable of writing into their popular rock music some of the themes of our faith and wrestling with these. And that has always been why I've been a fan. The song that they played a little snippet of there uses the Playboy Mansion, of all things, as a kind of ironic metaphor of a modern conception of the gates of heaven. This cultural monument to opulence and hedonism built on exploitation and materialism becomes a kind of inaccessible, shallow replacement for a conception of heaven. So in the song Bono sings, I never bought a lotto ticket. I never parked in anyone's place. He sounds a little bit like the Pharisee here, huh? I keep the rules. I don't do things wrong like that guy. The banks, they're like cathedrals, the song goes on. I guess casinos took their place. Hmm. Banks and casinos taking the place for places of worship, cathedrals. And then the song continues. Chance is a kind of religion where you're damned for cold, hard luck. I never did see that movie. I never did read that book. Love Come on down. Let my numbers come around. Uh, I don't know if I can hold on, he sings. Don't know if, I, if I'm that strong. Don't know if I can wait that long till the colors come flashing and the lights go on. And then the song reaches a kind of 
crescendo where it's been leading us, and it seems to realize that we yearn for a promise. We yearn for a, a paradise, a heaven that offers so much more than our cultural strivings, which are all wrapped up in materialism and idealized in this song by getting through the gates of the Playboy Mansion. So Bono sings, then there will be no time for sorrow. That mansion can't offer anything like that. Then there will be no time for shame, he sings, looking for something deeper. And though I can't say why, I know I've, I've got to believe. We'll go driving in that pool. It's who you know that gets you through. The gates of the Playboy Mansion. No time for sorrow. No time for shame. It's who you know that gets you through. There were two people, Jesus said. One went to church. He had power and privilege and status. He knew the mayor. He knew the governor. He knew the high priest personally at the Holy Temple. He thought he'd already made it. I'm glad I'm not like that guy, he said. And Jesus told us about another person. He only knew that he had no hope, that if he had to rely on himself, he had no friends. Most of his family had disowned him. He was broken and unworthy. And Jesus said, I tell you, this broken person went home justified. And that crowd was left with their mouths hanging open. He went home because it is not who you know that gets you through. It is who knows you, who claims you, who forgives you that gets you through. The one who told the story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he told it on his way to save them both. He told it on his way to get to you. That's why we call it gospel. It's good news. Uh, ever since the very first sermon I ever preached uh, at Atonement Lutheran in inner city Philadelphia, I've, I've uh, chosen a title for the, for the sermon, name, title for it. And I used to go out, old Palmer Reap at Atonement made us a signboard that was on the front of the church there. And uh, it was all surrounded by row homes in the inner city there. And and I would go out there early in each week and open that signboard and get the letters and spell out the title to my sermon. And then the kids would tease me about it all week, wondering what, I, what it meant. And so uh, I've always done this. Not all pastors do this, but it, it kind of gives me a hook to, to work around and, and something to remember afterwards. And so 
as a couple, of, we, we try to work ahead and develop the themes for our messages and titles so that the musicians can choose music that connects to the theme of the message and so forth. And so a couple of weeks ago, while I was sitting with this scripture about the Pharisee and the tax collector and this song by U2 was kind of coming into my mind, I wanted to use it. And the name of that song is The Playboy Mansion. So I just titled my sermon, The Playboy Mansion. And I, I put it in our, in our notes and then Pastor Natalia in her, you know, kind of lovely uh, way sent me an email saying, in a better way than this, but sent, essentially, you can't title your sermon Playboy Mansion. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, you know, you're right, I can't. And so I changed it. But, and Lord only knows what graphic Nick would have used to have I stuck with that. So <laughs> Pastor Natalia is a blessing in so many ways, uh, but that was one of them for me this week. Uh, it's it's uh, who you know that gets you through was the refrain in that song, but we were reminded that in fact it's, it's, it's who knows you that, that gets you through, and it is Christ who claims and, and forgives and now sends us out. And because it's, it's not uh, anything we can earn or do, we know this is just, it's almost cliche in the Lutheran church, but it, it matters so much. It's not anything we can earn or be worthy of. Uh, that gets us through. It is this claim on our lives, this gift the, uh, from a gracious God. It is entirely in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. And because of all of that, that good news, that gospel, we leave this morning as chosen, forgiven people. So we don't go out there in fear, hoping that we're good enough this week and, and we do well enough so that we can earn our way in. We go out in peace. We go in peace because we got nothing to worry about, because God has promised to hold us, claim us, and keep us in that state of eternal forgiveness. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.